Well, it was a really special uh, Saturday in the life of two of our Eagle families yesterday. Here's a picture of our newest of newlyweds, Nick Myers and Hannah Bostick got married. So if you've been around Eagle at all for any length of time, let's give a round of applause for <laughs> Hannah and Nick. The boss, congratulations to the Bostick and Myers families. We had a great wedding out here in the atrium. And uh, just such a special journey. Of course, if you've been around here at all, you know Hannah's been serving. She grew up in Eagle Kids World, Student World, served as an intern and pours herself out with students as well as Nick. He serves in our missions areas. And so it was just such a really special weekend uh, for the Myers and Bostick families. And so congratulations to them. And then on the other end of the spectrum, yesterday was the 50th anniversary for another core family, David and Diane Hawkins. Here they are. The picture on the left is their engagement photo 50 years ago, so congratulations to the Hawkins family. You might um, recognize the name Ryan and Alicia Threkel. This is Alicia's parents, and so uh, their 50th anniversary was yesterday, and so are the Hawkins in the room? Are you guys here? They're probably not. They're just celebrating their 50th that way, so congratulations to them. So it was a great picture, right? Yesterday was the beginning of the marriage spectrum for Nick and Hannah, and 50 years later... Uh, such a great uh, journey that way. So, well, Happy New Year to everybody. Welcome to 2021. Has there ever been as much momentum and eagerness to turn the calendar as there was this week? Or was it just me? Were you eager to like flip that calendar and say it's 2021? I, I, I was uh, looking up like uh, some history this past week and did you, I found this tweet. Here's a picture of a tweet. Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of England. So, This is January 2nd, 2020. He posts this, right? This is going to be a fantastic year for Britain. Two thumbs up. Maybe not, right? Probably not a two thumbs up year, right, Boris? He's got the classic disheveled hair look. That's if you don't follow the politics in that part of the world. That's definitely it. Well, in the Simpson house, at the end of a calendar year, our routine is we kind of reflect on the word we chose for the year. So it's been a bit of a rhythm for us for the last few years anyway. I think it started with Pastor Clint years ago in our student world, charging us to pick a word for the year, something that we just sense God want us to focus and center things around. And then usually the last week of the year, we'll have some conversation about how, that, how the year played out in line with the word. So this past year, Kendra's word for the year was truth. Kaylin chose embrace. Lily chose secure. And I chose clarity. Think about that. Truth, embrace, secure, and clarity. In December 2019. So I spent some time this week reflecting back over what's clearer to me now at the beginning of 2021 than it's ever been. And I spent some time praying about it. I ended up writing four phrases down and kind of four anchor texts from those phrases framing our message this morning. And so if you haven't already pulled out your message notes, you can get it from scanning the QR code here in the room online. Your host can direct you that way. So there's some message notes to kind of frame four reflections. What's clearer to me now? How has God brought clarity in some ways over all of the craziness of 2020. First thing I wrote down was the fragility of life. Here it is, James chapter 4. James says it this way. Now listen, you who say... 
Today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Do you remember what it was like when you could kind of like stand at the beginning of a year and you you had a pretty good handle on how your year was going to unfold? Do you remember what that was like? Mom and dad, do you remember like when you were planning out like your school calendaring, you kind of had the ebb and flow of the year down. You kind of knew how the activities were going to roll, how the school schedule was going to go, insert a spring break, a family vacation in the summer. We got Ignite Camp and mission trips. Do you remember? Do you remember you kind of have like, especially those of you more planning-oriented types, you kind of have a good map of the year and how it's going to flow. Or if you're in the marketplace, right, and you're leading in the corporate sector in some kind of business setting, you've got goals and objectives and one, three, and five-year strategic plans, and you get your teams together, especially during the month of January, and you kind of chart a course for the next year. You set some goals. You make some objectives. You rally the troops. You point the way. You, you kind of start marching. You remember that? Well, what's clearer to me now than ever, it's a good thing to plan. It's, it's not a bad thing to plan. It's a good thing to set goals. Remember Jesus in Luke 14 said, you shouldn't just go and like decide to build a tower and not take time to step back and make a plan. Do you have the resources to get it done? Luke 14. So it's not a bad thing to plan, but what's clearer to me than ever, as James says, is that we should make plans and set goals, but do it with an open hand because you're not nearly as in control as you think you are. Like over the course of this past year, just learning how many times in all the different settings that whatever plans, whatever the month or the week or the day was going to look like, it just seemed like the consistent theme was change and adjustment. What you thought was going to be that didn't turn into that. What you'd hoped for there wasn't that way. It's the just the fragility of a life, like the things that you set out, it's just, it may not unfold that way, which is why the Scripture says, actually, the wiser place to live is just the sacrament of the present moment, just to be fully grounded and fully embraced in the present, in the here and the now, because you've got no idea what tomorrow holds. Heavens, we've all learned that this past year. And while we're doing that, we, we make plans, we set goals, it's a good thing, do it with an open hand. Recognizing we're not nearly as in control as we think we are. And then all in the context of don't lose sight that our life, see how James says? It's like a, a breath on a cold winter's day. It's like this picture here, right? When you go outside and you breathe out without mask on. It's like, what, two, three seconds there? You see your breath and then it's gone? James says, that's your life. If God gives you 70, 80, 90, that's your life. It's just so brief on the timeline of eternity. Did you know that the CDC, in the midst of everything else they've been doing this year, do you know that they updated the average lifespan for the Americans? Did you know what your average lifespan is now as an American? It's 28,470 days. That's the average. So I did a little math for us this morning. If you're here and you're 20... You 20-year-olds in the room, 7,300 days spent. If you're 35, 
12,775 days. Gone. If you're 51, that's, that's me. I'm 51. I did the math. I've spent 18,615 of my days. If you do the percent, it's 65%. I'm on the back nine. I'm in the back half of the back nine. Should I keep going? No, right? So, no. That's, that's, now remember, James wrote the word not in a global pandemic. James just wrote it in normal everyday life. I don't think it's just COVID that kind of thrusts me into this. It's like, it's just the reality that in the scale of eternity, even if we're given the 78 years that the CDC says the average American will live, even if you lived every single one of those days or some of you surpassing those days, on the scale of eternity, it's a mist. It's just so brief. And church, it's clearer to me now than ever before. The fragility and brevity of this life. The second thing I wrote out was the presence of people. What's clearer to me now than ever is the, the gift of the physical presence of people. Genesis 1 writes in verse 26, it's uh, the record of how, kind of how the creation account unfolds, and it comes to the creation of human beings. It says, let us make man, let us make human beings in our image and in our likeness, that they'll reflect us. There's this plurality. Do you see that? The declaration of us in Genesis 1 is a plurality of being in the Godhead. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're made in the image of a community of beings. As I put in your notes, the Latin phrase for it is imago Dei. Our imago Dei is stamped with an us, a we and a together. That's part of how we're wired. That we're made in the image of one who is, is connected and interrelated. This is why... This is why the quarantine restrictions of 2020 have been so difficult to sustain. This is why when you look at the data from this past year, our mental and emotional health across the spectrum around the world, mental and emotional health is at all-time lows. And simultaneously, things like suicide and addictions and domestic violence skyrocketing all-time highs. It's the... What it, what's clear to me now ever, it's, it's the Imago day pushing back on the call to isolation. Do you see that? We are not made to be alone, Genesis 2. We're not wired to be long stretches all on ourselves in isolation. God didn't fabric fashion. He didn't wire us that way. Even the most introverted among us, there's still something deep down inside of you that's made to interconnect and interrelate with another embodied soul. That's what a human being is, an embodied soul. One of the reasons we've struggled so much on the mental, emotional, even spiritual health through this past year is the disconnectedness we've all experienced from humanity as a whole, especially the body of Christ. 
I love technology. I'm so grateful for all the ways our technology is helping people stay as connected as they can be during all these realities that we're living. It is a gift from God. We're using it. We're leveraging it. I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for all the people who make it work so well. But hear this. We are not microchip processors with a flat screen and an HDMI port. That's not who we are. We're not wired that way. There's something, we're embodied souls made to connect, not with just a, a flat screen and a microprocessor, but we're made to connect, to interrelate, to be embodied together. This is why the scriptures call us the body of Christ on earth. And there's just only so much that you can accomplish, right, from a, a screen and a microprocessor. And I think it's clearer to me now than ever that the gift of physical presence with people. Do you long for the day when you can see the whole face of a person again? Man, I do. Many of you through the, you know, stop me admire other stores and I'm so sorry. I just don't recognize the top third of your heads. And you know, it's like walk up and say, hey, Eric, can you pull your mask? Oh, it's so great to see your smile. You run into people right all around in parking lots, whatever. Won't it be amazing? Can you picture the day when we won't have a bulk of our face covered? And then in the winter, it's even worse. I'm even worse. I've got like a hat on and a hoodie up. I got my mask. I've got literally just this strip showing right here. That's not how God's made humanity to be together. That where you're walking up, have you noticed the tendency coming through 2020 is like, especially if you don't know the person, you're like, you don't want to be too close proximity. So everybody just kind of like appropriate, like given space and walking around. That's not how God's made us to be with each other. And what we've walked through this past year, we've got to be careful that we don't kind of ingrain some unhealthy patterns. Like we're not made to live in social distancing, as important as it is in a global pandemic. Get it, understand it. We want to abide by it. We're doing everything we can to uphold those things. But gang, at some point, the worm's going to turn on this whole issue, and we're going to lay down the vocabulary of social distancing. Won't that be wonderful? Now, some of you are saying, <laughs> some of you right now are thinking, but Pastor Eric, I've been looking for a reason to social distance from a certain group of people, and this has provided a great opportunity to do that. I get it, right? Hopefully, it's not your spouse. That's a conversation for another day. But... Even those of you who have some really challenging relationships going on in your life, there's still something at the core of who God made you to be, to interconnect and interrelate with another embodied soul. It's how he's made you. It's how he's wired you. It's the gift of the presence of people. I like what Mike Mason, I put this quote in your notes. Uh, he wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of People. For those of you who've read Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, Mike Mason took kind of a spin on that book and he applied it in the relationship with people. It's a, it's a really good read. So here's what he said, whether we love people or not, we still need them. <laughs> to feel lost and then to feel a touch of another human being reaching toward us across the gulf, not out of strength, but often out of mutual frailty. This is an unforgettable experience. A bond is forged that cannot be forged in any other way. 
So what's clearer to me now than ever before is the frailty, the fragility, the brevity of life, and then the gift of the presence of people. And I want you to know our commitment this year is we're going to work really, really hard to create all kinds of avenues for you to connect in smart, healthy, and safe ways, but to connect to come out of isolation. I recognize at the beginning of 21, somebody on the other end, especially listening through the screen now, you're feeling very isolated, very alone, very disconnected. And this can be a year where you can take a step out of that isolation and move back toward the body of Christ. Guilt-free, we don't need to have a lot of replaying how you got to just step back in. This is home, this is family, this is us, this is we, this is together, and this is the way God made his people to be, us, we, together. And we're committed to do that, even in a global pandemic. We don't, I don't think God wrote this, oh, by the way, in case you have like a big plague hit the earth, you just kind of set this aside. No, it just means you got to get right, smart, creative, but still stay devoted and connected to the gift of the presence of people. And the third thing I wrote out was the ballast of the Bible. Now, in Indiana, we're not really familiar with the term ballast very much. We don't have a lot of boats around here because we don't have a lot of water. So here's a picture of ballast in a boat. Do you know what ballast, ballast is what the boat manufacturers build, the center of the hole. It has to be built with the appropriate weightedness and dimensions in the center of the boat so that when the boat gets out on the water, especially when wind and waves hit it, it doesn't just flip over and capsize. That's ballast. You have to have proper ballast in the boat to provide stability for the boat to function. And I thought this year, what's clear to me now at the beginning of 2020 is the ballast of the Bible. Like there's just a, the weightedness, the centering of the word of God in our lives. And did you know that Harvard University, at the beginning of 2020, they initiated a study from Dr., I put it in your notes, Dr. Tyler Vanderweel. He's a professor of epidemiology at Harvard, super smart guy. At the beginning of 2020, he oversees a department, a program at Harvard called Human Flourishing. Did you know there's a program at Harvard University called Human Flourishing? I think that's the kind of program Jesus would be leading, actually. He'd be like at the Department of Human Flourishing. He says, I'm going to have a class on human flourishing. Come and Jesus of Nazareth is going to teach that. Harvard has a Department of Human Flourishing. And there's this Dr. Tyler Vanderweel who initiated a study pre-COVID, beginning of 2020. Here's what his premise was. He wanted to see if there was a correlation between regular Bible reading and human flourishing. So he initiated a study. And then COVID hit. And he thought, what do I do now? And he decided, you know what? I'm going to keep the study going, and I want to see what happens to people through a global pandemic when they assess regular Bible reading or not and kind of the human flourishing factor and all of that. Well, in the October 2020 journal, here, I put it in your notes, the Journal of General Internal Medicine. This is what the, they published the reports. And Dr. Vanderweel, here's what he said, quote, the evidence shows that Americans who actively engage with the Bible and in corporate worship score higher on every measure of human flourishing, including better mental and physical health and a deeper sense of character and virtue. They even have a greater sense of financial and material stability compared to those who don't attend church or engage with 
the Bible. Ha! Are you kidding me? I'm not generally, as a pastor, I don't get fired up about reading the Journal of General Internal Medicine, but I did on that one. Ha! I was like, yes, that's it. How about that? Harvard University study says, if you want to be flourishing as a human being, get in the God-breathed book. That's their conclusion. How great is that? And then their study continued, and it showed through COVID. So at the, through the COVID, they published their results kind of in the middle of the fall. They said, through the COVID era, those who were regularly in God's Word and regularly a part of a corporate worship gathering, 33 points more hopeful. How about that? They just are echoing Harvard and the Department of Human Flourishing and their study. They're just echoing what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus said this. When he was out in the desert in the wilderness and he was battling Satan after he'd been baptized, Jesus said this in Matthew 4, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's Jesus saying, there's no ballast for the boat of your life like this ballast. It's clearer to me now than ever before. We've got to have a weightedness, a centeredness, an anchor in the midst of whatever life is going to come at us. And it's right here. It's immersion in this God-breathed book. There's no ballast like this ballast. There's no food like this food. It's unlike any other. And I spent some time, I was thinking back through like the year, and I've been doing the one-year Bible, which I'll get to in just a minute, but just kind of thinking back through the times this year where I just found myself kneeling in my office and saying, Lord, I have no idea. I think I told you early on in the pandemic, I got used to the holy uncertainty. I get used to the vocabulary of I don't know, and that's okay. I've been kind of working those, I don't know, but that's okay. And I just say, Lord, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. I don't know how to navigate this here. I don't know where to go with this here. I don't know. Jesus help. I just, Jesus help. That was probably the number one prayer I prayed fell through. Jesus help. And then I just started thinking back through, and I wrote in your notes a couple of instances that just stood out to me where it was just like ballast. I felt like my, my boat was maybe going to get capsized and just this ballast came. Like I remember the day in Psalm 75, 3, when I hit this verse, when the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. Church, how about that verse? That's amazing. Where else do you read other than a God-breathed book, a language like that? There was no lack of quaking that was going on and continues to go on. But God says when all that, who holds its pillars firm? Psalm 77, I remember the day I came through, your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. What beautiful language. And some of you staring at some things at the beginning of 2021, you got no idea how you're going to get through whatever it is you're going through. And Psalm 77 can be ballast for your boat. It can say, I know you don't see. I know you don't understand. I know your footprints aren't going to be seen, but I'll get you through the sea. You'll lead me through. I don't know how. I don't know when, but I trust you. That's, That's ballast for our boats, church. I remember when Jesus said, Matthew 11, I remember the day I came to this text, come to me all you who are weary and burdened. Some of your translations say weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And how many times through the course of this past year did you just feel kind of exhausted and just mentally, emotionally, just weary, just just worn out from all, just the constant barrage of everything that was just weary. And Jesus said, just come to me. I know you're weary, I know you're heavy laden, I know you're burdened. I'll give you rest. 
I'll give you rest that a good nap can give you, a vacation can give you. I'll give you rest in the inmost place. I'll give you rest for your soul. I know there's a lot of good books in the world, and you know I really like books and I like to read, but church, it's clearer to me now than ever, there's just no book like this God-breathed book. All the other great books of this world, they sit in the shadow of this book. And so I'm going to call us this year to be a church with ballast in our boat. And no better time than at the beginning of a new year to do this. So we're going to band together, and I want you to go ahead and pull your phones out and download this app, because we're going to do this together. Here's a picture of the app if you don't have the Version app. Many of you already have it. So Version Bible is the name of that app, Y-O-U version. Go ahead, permission given, get on your phones. Probably a lot of you are already on your phones. But anyway, get on, go to the app store, download the app, and then specifically what we're going to push to you is a link to a Bible reading plan called The One-Year Bible. We're going to start this on January 17th, so we've got a little runway, we've got to get everybody signed up. Here's what it's going to allow us to do. We're going to all be able to kind of link together, and we'll be reading the same Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, Proverb for the day, and then there's a place for you to post comments, and you'll be able to see each other's. It's a little built-in accountability and sharing kind of how God's speaking to your heart or whatever. Like, it's just a, it's going to be basically a group online on your phone Bible reading plan. Now, for some of you, you've never read through the whole Bible, so I encourage you. Maybe this is your year. If that's too big of a step for you, just take the New Testament Psalm proverb for the day, guilt-free. Check off the Old Testament each day and just hit New Testament Psalm proverb. There's an audio feature, it'll read to you, so many of you with commutes, it's a great way to handle your commutes, listen to God's word being read, and then just kind of step in, it's about ballast, it's about building it, where we have like an anchor for our soul, that in the midst of all the other stuff we're going to read, just think of all the time you spend scrolling whatever on Instagram and TikTok and news headlines, like if we just take a fraction of that time, let's build ballast for our boat, we got to get in this God-breathed book, and so that's what we're going to do together. And so we need your updated email. If you are not regularly receiving communication from us, this is your time. So you go to info at eaglechurch.com. So right now, just send an email, info at eaglechurch.com. Put your new email address in there. And what we're going to push out to you is electronically an invite to this group plan, and then you just accept the invite. So one of the things you can do in advance, you can just create an account on Uversion. If you don't have an account yet, go ahead and set up a personal account so when the invite comes to you, just accept it, and boom, we'll start the plan on January 17. All right? It's clearer to me now than ever that we've got the fragility of life and the brevity of life, the presence of people, and then the ballast of the Bible. There's just no book like this God-breathed book. And to be committed once again as the family of God, as the people of God, to be immersed here. Kind of whole Bible, whole church, whole year thing. That's what we're going to do. And by the way, that's what we're going to be doing for teaching. You say, well, where's the teaching series going to go with this coming year? We're just going to help because as we're going to be reading through the Bible together, we're just going to kind of set up a, a teaching through the whole storyline of the Bible, through the major characters in Scripture. So next week, I'll start us in the life of Abraham. And so that we'll just kind of keep moving our way through as we get into Abraham and then jo uh, Joseph and then Moses, and then we'll kind of work our way through. So you're, as you're reading through the storyline, we're hoping to help get the whole of the scriptural storyline in as well. So I hope you're encouraged by that. I know I'm super excited about it. I'm excited about building ballast in all of our lives with God's Word. The fourth thing I wrote down is the otherness of Jesus. The otherness of Jesus. You know, 
I, like you, have a lot of wonderful people in my life. I got a lot of wonderful people in my life. Amazing wife, beautiful daughters, such a great community and congregation of friends, family, extended family. So many amazing people, wonderful people in my life. But hear this. There's no one like Jesus. No one. No one says the things that Jesus says to me, and no one offers the life that Jesus offers to me. There's no one. Like, there's the otherness of Jesus. It's just clearer to me now than ever. And I wrote down, and I put these in your notes, I I just kind of wrote a a stream of thought out, like, Jesus, he's so personal and precise in all he does. He's, He's faithful when I understand his ways and when I don't. He's patient with my impatient. He's Love, he's loving with my stubborn selfishness. He's light in the darkness. His claims are outrageous. His promises are trustworthy. His hope is alive. Simply put, church, there's no one in my life like Jesus. No one. It's clearer to me now than ever. And as I was wrapping up the Bible reading for the year last week, um, we were in Revelation and came to this text in Revelation 19. And I thought, are you kidding me? This, this kind of a text, I remember just setting it down and just letting my mind just muse upon these words. Revelation 19, 11, here's what it says. I saw heaven standing open. This is the Apostle John looking in the corridors of heaven. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. And on his robe and his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. (laughs) Who else do you know like that? There's only one. It's just King Jesus. There's no one like him. And maybe this was pressed home for me more clearly this past year because in 2020, I was involved with a larger number of funerals than normal. Now, not COVID, not because of COVID. There was only one directly COVID-related. You remember when Letitia Garcia's brother, Jose, passed away. That was a directly COVID-related. But the others were just, for whatever reason, 2020 just had a larger number of deaths in the congregation. And I found myself kind of sitting beside the bed of a larger number of people through the course of the year who were very near the end of their life. And many of you have been right there. Many of you have had loved ones even this past year. And there's something so sacred about that space. I call it a thin space where the veil between the life to come and the, it just gets really thin. And there's just something that just kind of levels the ground and just gives you such clarity when you're sitting there and you're, you're having conversations and you're singing songs and you're reading God's word and you're, and you're praying and you're shedding tears and you're, you're in those settings and you're in those moments and there's just, it's just so clear the otherness of Jesus. Like I thought about sitting beside, I remember Barbara Heads or Norma Jean Evans. Remember I told the story, Norma Jean called all nine of her children to her bedside to have goodbye conversations with them. Colleen Cross, Lou Myers, Max Kilgore, Brandon Venard. You know a common theme from all those who passed from this life this past year. Here's the theme. 
every single one of them, had to say goodbye and let go of everything and everyone in this life. Every single time. Do you realize that's true for all of us? At the end of the run, whenever that comes, we're going to say goodbye to our spouse, to our children, to our grandchildren, to our closest friends, to our family. We're going to say goodbye to all our accomplishments, achievements, careers, bank accounts, everything. In the, we're going to say goodbye to everything and everyone except one. We're not going to say goodbye to the rider on the white horse whose robe is dipped in blood, whose eyes are blazing with fire, who's got faithful and true written, whose name is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are not going to say goodbye to him. Because at the end of the day, church, it's clearer to me now than ever before. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to this. You and Jesus, that's it. Your wife won't be there, your children won't be there, your friends won't be there, all your accomplishments and achievements won't be there. When you get to the end of your one and only life on this earth, it'll be you and Jesus. There's no one like it. There's no one like that rider on that white horse. There's no one like it. Where's that robe dipped in blood, faithful and true, King of kings and Lord of lords? There's just no one like him. It's clearer to me now than ever. I close with this quote from Max Lucado. I put it in your notes because I thought you might want to reflect on it through the week. He said, some of you have shouldered burdens that few of us could ever carry. That's a commentary on your year. You've bid farewell to lifelong partners. You've been robbed of lifelong dreams. You've been given bodies that can't sustain your spirit. You have spouses that can't tolerate your faith. You have bills that outnumber the paychecks and challenges that outweigh the strength, and you are tired. It's hard for you to see the city in the midst of the storms. The desire to pull over to the side of the road and get out entices you. You want to go on, but some days the road seems so long for some of you today. You're standing anew. It just seems so long. Hear this now. Last paragraph. Remember this. God never said that the journey would be easy, but he did say that the arrival would be worthwhile. He may not do what you want, but he will do what is right and best. He's the father of forward motion. Trust him. He will get you home, and the trials of the trip will be lost in the joys of the feast. Church, we've got no idea what 2020 holds, but we do know this. We know who holds it, and he's the one who is faithful and true. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he has this world firmly in the palm of his hands, and he will accomplish his purposes, whatever this year holds. We know he holds it, and that's clearer to me now than ever. It's clearer to me now than ever the fragility and brevity of this life. It's just a mist. So short. Are we going to use our 28,000 days? Let's think about what if this day is the last day? Am I going to steward the moments of this day? Like the end is just so near and it's so clear to me. 
It's so clear to me the gift of the presence of people, that we're embodied souls made to interconnect and interrelate with other physical presence of people, to move out from isolation even in the midst of all we've been living through and say, no more, I'm done with being isolated and on the fringe alone. I'm stepping in and stepping towards connectedness and community. It's just clearer to me now than ever. And then the ballast of the Bible, it's just, we're going to need some weightedness in the whole of our lives in the midst of whatever this year brings that this, there's just no book like this God-breathed book. It's just clearer to me now than ever. And the otherness of Jesus. There is no one like him. At the end of the run, it's going to be you and Jesus, me and Jesus. That's it. And he's the one who says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I hold the keys to death. He holds them. He's the one who walked out of the grave. There's no one like him. It's only Jesus who said, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never see death. Only Jesus who says those things. There's no one like him. And so how about you? What's clearer, church, at the beginning of 2021 than ever before? And by the way, my word for 2021, grateful. Grateful. Hold me to it. I look forward to seeing how God's going to manifest that word out through this year. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for your faithfulness to carry us along. Here we stand at the beginning of a new year, having walked through a 12-month run that none of us certainly could have ever envisioned, and yet here we are. Thank you for breath of life in our lungs. Thank you for the gift of this day. Uh, we're mindful of many in our community who passed on from this life. We pray for those families. We pray in the midst of what no doubt was a, a unique and difficult holiday season. Many goodbyes and tears. And Thank you for the perspective and the gift that all those people brought and all the years and memories we shared together. And thank you that as we stand here at the beginning of 2021, we just resolve afresh to offer the whole of our lives to you as an act of worship. Whatever this year holds, we know you hold it, and that's enough for us. So our life is not our own. We consecrate it unto you. We say, here we are, Lord, use us. Help us to spend our days now in light of that day when it's just going to be one-on-one -on -one with you. So in these moments, if there's adjustments that need to be made, if there's some shifts that need to be done right now, it's just settling in our heart and just commit ourselves to live wholeheartedly to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who is faithful and true the one who promises never to leave us, never forsake us, the one who says, I'm Emmanuel, God with you. We worship you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.